I almost feel like, like I was saying this song and Benny talked about the dry bones and we we um we kind of acknowledge it in our own lives. Um but there needs to be a cry of our hearts this morning to God. And I, I want to speak a de- declaration this morning because in my own spirit, I, I know that I've gone through a very dry period in my own life. But I know that God is good. God is good. God is good. So Jesus, I declare in this day that you are good, good, good God. You're my Father, and I acknowledge you as my King and my Savior. And I know that nothing, nothing, nothing that I go through, you will leave me behind. I know that in my heart that you are the King, you are the Savior. You come in my darkest moments and you reach into the depths of my soul and you come and you make it new and you bring wholeness and you bring freedom and you bring love and you bring compassion, Lord, and you cut away everything that is broken and not of you. So this morning, Lord, I declare in the name of Jesus that you are an awesome God. You're 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 an awesome God. And my bones are not dry anymore because I know that I know that I know that I know that I know you're a good, good God. And I love you, Jesus. Preach it, girl. <laughs> yes, come on, Jesus. Yeah, just as Suret was bringing that, I was just reminded of the word that came a few weeks ago. And actually what I want to preach on, and it almost lays such a, such a foundation for me. Because a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, there was a word of us being on the offensive and not on the defensive. Not being offensive, but being on the offensive. It's a big difference. I don't want to offend you. <laughs> okay, big difference between being on the offensive and being offensive. But I just thought that, that for me was being on the offensive. Being on the offensive, not back-footed, but being front-footed. Being front-footed in what God is asking of us. Being front-footed as a people and as a community because He is asking of us to take ground. Amen. And it comes with us standing boldly. And don't worry about the volume. That's not the issue. That's, that, that's not it. like some people always oh, was too loud. No, it's not about that. It's about the heart and the spirit behind it that comes. That a submission to the Father and saying, Jesus, I'm declaring this morning of your goodness, your faithfulness. And that, Lord, you are in control. And you deserve all the glory. Amen. Amen. Maybe can we just get some guys closing these windows. Those curtains are going to frustrate the ladies there. Thanks. But that, that is what it's about. It's about being on the offensive, not being on the back foot. And I really felt this week, just in preparation uh, for, for the Lord just dropping things into my heart and just in terms of um, just what He's asking us and, and declaring is that we are at war. Do you know that? We are at war. But the battle is the Lord's. Amen. Come on. The battle is the Lord's and the victory is His. It doesn't give us a reason to slack off. It doesn't give us a reason to slack off. The battle is His, but we have a responsibility as believers and as a community of faith to be front-footed for our own lives, for our community, for those around us, for our families, husbands, for for your wives, moms and dads, for your children. We need to be front-footed. We are at war, and the battle that we're raging is not something of flesh and blood, but it is something that is supernatural, something that we can't see necessarily in the flesh, but something that is happening in the spirit. Sorry, I'll just take this off. It's going to frustrate me. I feel like I'm joking. But I thought this morning I wanted to actually start at the end. I want to start at the end, and I want to read a chunky portion of Scripture, and I'm going to probably use quite a bit of Scripture this morning because I, these are not, this is not Chad's words. This is the Scripture, and I think you know, often we get wrapped up in our own 
good words and our own uh, definitions and our own uh, linguistics or whatever, but it's the Word of God. And when we, we see it in Scripture, we can't, we can't um, refute it. We, we can't argue against it. It's not like, oh, Chad, you said this. No, no, hang on, God said that. Chad, you said it this way. No, 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 God said it. Because uh, maybe I can't believe what Chad says, but you can not refute the Word of God because it is alive, it is living. So I want us to start at the very end because the very end is beautiful. And when you understand what really is the, very, the end is all about, it gives you some strength to fight now. And I want us to turn to a, a very cool portion of Scripture, and it's Revelations, Revelations chapter 19. And I'm going to read all the way till, well, virtually the whole chapter. And I just, if you haven't got your word, you want to follow there, it's quite a, quite a bit. But let's, let's read it together. I'm going to stand. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. And for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, can I hear it? The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Let us, <laughs> and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder crying out for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let's say that together. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Next one. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride, that's us, has made himself ready and it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened up and behold, a white horse. And behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful. And true, and in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun with a loud voice. He called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured. And with it, the false prophets 
who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who had worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that comes from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged in their flesh. That's probably a part of scripture some of you might have never, ever read. But it comes out of the book of Revelations, which for me is the end of the story where Satan is defeated. That's the, end of the book. That's the end of the story. Satan is defeated. And a little bit, I actually didn't give them verse 20. And maybe um, from, from the first verses of, of chapter 20, and says, I don't know, you're not loaded to go, but I'm going to read it. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottom of the split, the great chain. And he seized the dragon and the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit. And shut it up and sealed him. That's the end of the story. Satan is defeated. Come on. Satan is defeated. Yes. Hallelujah. He has been defeated. And why are we still stickling? If that's the end of the story, we've got, I mean, we, that's, that's the end. But why do we still sickle? Why do we still have these struggles? And why do we still have to Take authority. And why do we still battle with things? Well, I believe it's because God has a plan and a purpose. And he shows it in his scripture that it is necessary in order to refine our faith. In order to refine us. In 1 Peter 1 verses 6 to 7, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. That's this time. It's only a little while. If necessary, we have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? In Ephesians chapter 6, and I, I'm, I've got a lot of scripture, so please bear with me because I want you to just, and, and, and I'd like you to write these down and go read them because these are key scriptures for us in terms of the, the, the battle we're facing today. Yes, the battle has been, the war has been won, but there are a number of battles that we're facing on a daily basis. And this is what it says in Ephesians, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present age, and this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, he's giving us a little inside information here, take up the armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and have done all to stand firm. To stand firm. We've been called, church, to stand firm. To stand, to be offensive. To stand, to be on the offensive. Not to be an offensive. I know it's like tricky. To be front-footed. I feel like every time I step, I'm going to rock forward. I'm just trying something out this morning. I thought, do we need this front stage? (laughs) Otherwise, I feel like I'm down here. But it might not make any difference anyway. So... So as I was thinking about this word and I was just wondering about it, I thought, you know, we're at war. And, and one of the, you know, even, even the world recognize it, recognizes the strategies of war. And, the, the, and there's a, there was a, a writing many, many years ago in the 6th century by a Chinese philosopher and general called Sun Tzu. And he, he, he wrote the writing called The Art of War. Some of you might have heard that. And, and a lot of today's modern philosophies of war and, and is actually based on this writing. And here was a Chinese philosopher, doesn't know Jesus, and, and he, got, he got something right here. He, he saw something, and, and I want to read it to you what he said. He said, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. 
And if you neither and if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Now, the part for me that he got wrong was he said, if you know yourself. For me, I want, to, I want to change that a little bit and say, know who you are in Christ. Because us in our own strength, can niks do nie. useless. <laughs> but do you know who you are in Christ? So I felt this morning, just to look at a little bit of who our enemy is and his strategy And then I wanted to look a little bit of who we are in Christ and the tools that he has given us to overcome his ways. All right. I think it needs to be said firstly, because you say, oh, Chad, you're going to be talking about the devil. Well, yes, I am going to be talking a little bit about the devil. And some people say, well, why do we focus? No, I'm not focusing on the devil, but you need to know. And 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says this. It says that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant. Of his designs. Okay. So scripture says we need to know the enemy as well. You see how it's Chu Sun, whatever his name was again. What was it? San Chu, yeah. He had it past. We need to know who our enemy is. We need to know what his strategy is. And I would suggest to you that there are actually three enemies. There's not just the devil, which is seemingly the blatant one. He doesn't get all the blame. All right. He gets off the hook a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. But I would suggest to you that there are three enemies and three uh, things that we face in this life. The first one would be the passion of the flesh. And that which wages war against our soul. And uh, we can look at that in, in in, in, in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 11. Behold, you got it there. I urge you as sojourners. Do you know what that is? You know what a sojourner is? Who knows what a sojourner is? Sojourner. Do you know what that, like I had to look that up. A foreigner, thank you. Behold, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So the first enemy is the passions of the flesh. Those things which draw us it's not only sensuality, but it is, it's sensuality. It's not only that of, an, of a sexual nature, but it's anything that draws you away from Jesus. It feels good. Something that has a better, you know, like I feel like, I'm going to say this boldly, I feel like not coming to church this morning because the weather's so great, we want to go to beach. There, I'm feeling the flesh. I feel like doing something I feel like buying that car, even though I can't necessarily afford it or it might not be wise, that's, that's an enemy. That's something that wages war against us all. We need to be mindful of this. Very important. And secondly, sin. But more blatant, sin. Blatant disobedience to the word of God. That's an enemy. That's an enemy. Let's read Romans chapter 7, verse 23. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. We see there that it's sin is another enemy that we face. So it's not only the passions of the flesh where where sometimes it's not always sin, but but I think it can become sin if we focus on it too much. If it becomes too a higher priority in our life, can lead to sin, but sin is something obvious, and it's something in our. It's a decision we choose to disobey. It's, uh, they, it wasn't like, oh, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't realize. I remember, a, <laughs> no, like, like, oops, I'd, sorry, like it, it was a mistake. No, we we we, ch- we know when we do wrong. We do. We. Uh, you can't tell me now unless. Unless you're uninformed, and, and, and that's something else that we could at another time discuss, but unless there's a total non-understanding of what you're doing is wrong, we, we make choices to sin. And then the third one is, is obviously the devil. And, and I want to look at a little bit about what his strategies and, and, and who he is and what he does and how 
he comes against us. And, and understanding his design a little bit makes us understand suddenly why there is this war that we're fighting. And again, this is all scripture. There's a lot of scripture, and I'm, gonna, and I'm just going to give you a little bit about of, of who he is. Firstly, in John chapter 8, verse 44, it says um, that he was a murderer from the beginning. And a little bit later, for for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we see there that Satan is a murderer and he's a liar. He's the father of lies. So when, when you believe a lie, who are you listening to? Satan. When you act out a lie or believe something that's not the truth, actually scripture gets, it says you're actually of your father. The father of lies. He's a destroyer. John chapter 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to destroy lives. He comes to destroy marriages. He comes to destroy relationships between moms and dads and children and their sons and daughters. Many of us can testify to relationships that have been destroyed and maybe just, I don't know what happened. I honestly believe that the devil is at work to destroy relationships. He will come in to destroy our relationships. And that's why we have to fight for unity. We have to fight for unity. Sometimes it's nothing even you've done or said or like not even a, a, an error on your own part, but The devil sees a chink in the arm and he sees a way that he can just wedge into a relationship. I've seen it time and time again. I've spent many hours uh, talking to people and trying to help in restoring the relationships. And I'm like, this is just obvious. The devil is at work here. And he's a destroyer. He comes because he's the ruler of this age. He's been given power and authority. The the, the scripture in in Luke, it says, then the devil, it's Luke chapter 4. Sorry, I know there's a lot of scripture, but I, I really I can't do this anywhere else. And uh, you know, I know they often say use three scriptures in Karen, but like, for honesty, uh, this this is the word of God. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms. This is the the the, the account of, of of the temptations of Jesus, and he takes him up onto high mountain. He says, "All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me." And I can give it to whoever I wish. You see this, Satan has been given authority. He's been given rulership. So it's not just like, oh, what, what the heck? Why is the devil doing this? It's because he's been given authority. And often we struggle in our own lives because we give him authority in our own lives by bad choices and by bad decisions. Maybe just how do we give the devil authority in our lives? I think it needs to be said because often we're going, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, well, I think there's a number of things that some of us are totally oblivious to that actually that give the devil authority. Well, firstly, obviously sin. Sin is definitely an important thing. When we are blatantly choosing to sin because Satan, I mean, he's sin incarnate, we actually give him authority and, 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 and we, we give him power and authority over lives. And we're wondering why we're struggling or we're wondering why this is constantly going wrong. And it's because we've given him, we've given over to sinful, sinful things. We've actually also given over to the lust of the flesh. So you see how there's a, a tying together of these things as well. I think sometimes we unknowingly open the door to the devil by getting involved in things that we didn't know we should have. And some of those would be things like yoga, karate, kung fu, Anything that has its origins in Eastern mysticism, going to a fortune teller, going to a palm reader, going to someone who reads the tea bags, even some certain massage practices where you put stones, Reiki, I think it's called, putting stones on your back and aligning your energies with the enemy. With, with, the powers and principalities of darkness. These are areas that open the door for the devil. Reading your horoscope. Astrology, not astronomy. Big difference, all right. 
Astronomy is the science of understanding the galaxies. Astrology is saying that a star will affect how your day is going to be. Rubbish. Sorry. Homeopathy is another one. Woo! A drop of this. There's a difference between aromatherapy and homeopathy. All right. Let's not get the two confused. Essential oils, smells, I will admit scientifically they can have an influence on your state because they're actually chemicals. But a drop of water into a bucket stirred this way for 50 times and then diluted into another bucket and stirred that way for 50 times and then diluted into this bucket and stirred another, that has no scientific grounds for helping you get well. Be aware of what you guys expose yourselves to. They're little things. And I know that's a big one because a lot of guys don't realize, but homeopathy is something rooted in Eastern philosophies. I, I, I have something personal, and I won't even actually mention it because it might just open up too many things, but I think even certain physiotherapy practices, not all of them, please, I'm not saying all physiotherapy, but some of them are rooted in Eastern philosophies and Eastern practices where they use the energies of the body to realign. Acupuncture. Deep needling is a kind of a touch-and-go topic because I do, I, I do know that by... Do uh, if, 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 you know what the difference is? Deep needling, they stick a needle that long into you and it activates a muscle deep and it causes it to relax by sending blood into that area. So scientifically, I understand. But putting a needle three millimeters into you and pinning your whole arm and really the philosophy behind acupuncture is to align your energies and to get everything right and you know massage your foot so your kidney gets better and all that rubbish (laughs) really these are ways that we open the door to the enemy he's using those the bible he's a deceiver he's a liar he's wanting to trick you up and say don't worry, you need that. I, I actually, uh, I have a family member at the moment, and it's very concerning because they love Jesus, and I, they, they're going to a homeopathic vet for their dog. For their dog. <laughs> I mean, like, really? The Bible is very clear that we have nothing to do with this kind of stuff because it opens the door, and you wonder why you're struggling with your health, maybe. You wonder why you're struggling with finances. You wonder why your marriage is maybe in a mess. Possibly, may I suggest, that you have opened the door somewhere along the line and you haven't shut that door. And I'll tell you what, the easiest way to shut it, repent. Let's repent. I say what? Netflix. (laughs) That's feeding the lust of the flesh. But really, if you have opened the door to any of these things that is somehow, like maybe I've, I know I might be a bit controversial, come and chat to me because I don't want you going, oh, what is like, because there are a number of guys that go, what do you, like, and I think some of us, you know, the word says we perish for lack of knowledge. We need to be informed. We need to know who, that's why scripture, we need to not, do not be ignorant of the designs of Satan because he is out to rob, kill, and destroy. He is like a roaring lion. That's the counterfeit, huh? Who is the roaring lion that we know? Jesus. He is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour and destroy. He wants to counterfeit everything that Jesus is. So that's why we look at these things and go, but they're amazing. They work. Yes, of course they work. Because Satan has been given power and authority. So do you want the real Do you want the authentic or do you want the counterfeit? The counterfeit brings you into bondage. The counterfeit will hold you captive. It will pull you away from Jesus. The authentic will bring you to a place of seeing his splendor and his wonder, his magnificence, his glory, and bring you into a deeper relationship with him. That's why we serve him. That's why we choose the authentic. That's why we choose him. Because he wants to bring us into bondage. He wants 
to keep us away from God. Another scripture in Revelations, it says, and this is, it says he is the accuser of the brethren. Don't worry about it. You don't, don't put it up. I'm just going to mention it. It's, it's Revelations 12.10. It says he is the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the, he's, he's, he accuses us. Basically, he's lying to us and telling us that we don't deserve what we have. We don't deserve it. We just use this. So as much as we might expose ourselves to these other things, other ways, that, and, and we might have shut those doors, but another way that he will, have, he will whittle into our lives is by lying to us and accusing us and reminding us of, of our past. But in that, we just need to remind him of his future. <laughs> I read it to you in the beginning. He's doomed. So why get hung up on the battles now? We're actually, at the end of the day, he does lose. But remember why we face these things. It's for the refining of our faith. Enough about him. Whose are we? Whose are we? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? My father in heaven. And he has given us so much to overcome the enemy. He really has. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? It starts firstly, and the very first step of this journey of knowing whose we are is repentance. It starts by coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, being adopted into his family, part of his family. That's the very first step, because when you're, you're in the family, you've got the covering of the family. You've got, <laughs> I couldn't do it as well as Benny. <laughs> Benny does it better than me. But the family, the family of God. I tell you, when we're part of the family, when we have one another, I tell you, I want to, I want to read this scripture to you, and it's how do we overcome the enemy? And, it's, and I'm going to give you a few little pointers. And, um, and I'm going to show you, I think, just simple, simple keys of how we overcome it. And, and, and the most amazing scriptures, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 7. Actually, did I say 7? It's actually 9. Oops. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast your burdens unto Jesus because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. That doesn't mean that you mustn't be drunk. It means you must be aware and conscious and informed. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So how do we overcome the enemy? Firstly, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Submit one to another. It's a key. Humility. Pride. I. I'm, I can do this alone. I'm okay. I mean, a little bit in that scripture it says, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers. You're not alone in this battle. And so much easier to, to, to fight a battle when you're fighting it with someone else. But when you fight alone, it's hard. Humble. Contrite. And then it says resist. Resist him. Resist him. James 4, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submission and humility are two keys for us to overcome the enemy. And submission is something we often speak about. Submission to your leadership. 
covering to, the, to your wives, submitting to your husbands, children, submitting to your parents. There's, cover, there's protection in that. There's safety in that. See, that scripture in James doesn't say, resist the devil and he will flee. There's a condition. Submission. Same in First Peter. It doesn't just say, resist him. There's a condition. Humble yourself. Humility. In order for us to do what God is asking us, and, and in order to take up the tools and the weapons that he's giving us, there's a condition of humility, of submission. I think that thing of being watchful is very, very key as well. Watchful. It's not like we've got to look for a demon under every bush. Hey, clap on Fluffy. Trap on, trap on. <laughs> Lots of songs written about this topic, eh? But we've got to be watchful. We've got to be alert. You know, and sometimes we don't even realize it. That's why having a community of faith around us is so important. You know, sometimes, like I said, the devil is like a prowling, roar, like a, a roaring lion. He's roaring. He's prowling around. <laughs> Have you ever seen a prowling lion? Yo, those things are very, very sneaky. I used to work as a game ranger, and, and we used to follow those lions hunt. Man, I tell you what, those animals are sneaky. They will hide behind the Land Rovers. We, they used to learn that the Land Rovers were a, an art of war. <laughs> we, as we would drive, we would follow them hunting. And, and so as we would drive, they would just flank the Land Rover, and then we'd turn off, and then they'd stand. They learned to use the, the cover of the Land Rover noise. They're very sneaky animals. The devil's very sneaky. And he's a, like a roaring lion. I mean, we know, I mean, again, first-hand experience. I've had a lion roar. Literally, I was here, and he was, he was where Connor was. I've had a lion that close to me roaring. My daughter was sitting right behind me in an open Land Rover with no doors, windows, or anything. All right. <laughs> oh, was Becky between me and the lion? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Becky was between me and the lion. <laughs> It's a powerful and scary thing. So the real lion that roars is awesome. And, but the fake lion, the one that is like, man, I tell you, he wants to intimidate you. He wants to bring you into a place of bondage and captivity. He wants to hold you there so that you can't walk. And, and his voice sometimes will get louder than those around you if you let him. His voice will lie to you and tell you, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Some of us have first-hand experience. I, I can see like some nods and yes, I know, I'm looking. I, we, we've had that experience where the, the, the voice of the enemy has droned out the voice of the real line. Sometimes we've allowed that and that's why we need one another. We need one another because you're not alone in that battle. We need to sit down. We need, you know, truth dispels lies. And, and I think sometimes we forget, you know, deceit and lying, it's a very, very sneaky thing. I think it's probably the most sneakiest of strategies that the devil has, is to lie to you, to deceive you, and, and for you to believe that lie. And I know that some of us have been caught in that thing of believing the lie or being deceived. I, I've, I remember years ago sitting in an elders meeting and one of our elders just going off on a tangent and Andrew stopped him in mid-stride and said, my bud, and it was Ryan Kingsley actually who leads Benoni Church. He said, Ryan, you are deceived. And in that moment, the spirit pulled into the room and Ryan just broke down and like, I don't see, I can't, help me, help me, help me. I need to see the truth. I don't see it, but I trust you. I trust you. And some of us struggle to trust our leaders. And, and, and when we don't trust our leaders and those who've been given authority by God, not by the devil, to come alongside you, when you struggle in it, I believe that the, the victory and, 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 and the war is, sorry, the war gets harder. But when, when there's a, I, I, I couldn't believe it in that moment, when, when there was a total submission to Ryan, to Andrew, the victory was won like that. Boom. And I've seen that more than once. 
But when we struggle and we, we battle and for days and for weeks on end, it's because we're not wanting to submit to the godly authority over us that we've submitted to an ungodly authority. And Jesus wants to set us free. He wants us, and that's, that's whose we are. We're his. Why would he not want us walking in freedom? Why would he want us to be bound? I, he, he allows us to go through these things, and I read that scripture earlier. He allows us to endure things because it refines our character. It refines us and makes us more into his image. And it's not like I agree. That's not fun. It's not fun when we lose a family member. It's not fun when we lose a child or a daughter or a mother or a father. It's not fun when we struggle financially. It's not fun when our health fails us. It's not fun when someone comes in and breaks into our car and steals our stuff. It's not fun. No one said it would be easy. But that is only temporary. These things are only temporary. What are we living for? Are we living for now or are we living for eternity? You know, Jesus says to us, he said in Luke, he says, Behold, I have given you authority. I have given you authority. And he's given us the word. And that's why I've used a lot of scripture, because there's a beautiful, beautiful piece of scripture. It comes out of Hebrews chapter 4. Let's put that up. For the word of God. And that's why I've used a lot of scripture, because I wanted it to be the word of God this morning, not the word of Chad. The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirits, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How many of you felt the presence of God when I started reading Revelations? Hey, we don't read our word enough and we don't believe it enough. We think it's just a book to gather dust on the shelf and to take off every now and again, flip through it and find something that will make us feel good. But this book carries the words of life. It carries the truth of whose we are, who we are. And the tools, and the authority, and everything that he has given us. Jesus didn't come for nothing. Scripture tells us, 1 John 3, it says, The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works. He came to bring us into freedom. He didn't come... To allow us to be bound forever. And it's only temporary. But he came to destroy the enemy. Church, that is what it means to be on the offensive. That's what it means. It's to believe the word of God. To believe the truth of scripture. To let it be ingrained into your heart. To let it... Because when it's ingrained into your heart, I believe the intentions of your heart and your thoughts. And that's why I also ingrained into your thoughts. And I know that's sometimes a little bit harder because some of us struggle to remember stuff. I'm one of those as well. To remember. And, 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 I, and I, I don't want you getting caught up on that saying, I'm not a good enough Christian because I can't remember scripture because I can't remember it where it is. You know how we get to remember where Scripture is and what it is? is by spending time in Scripture. By reading it over and over and repeating and repeating and repeating. Not once every now and again when I feel like it. That's how we have the sword engraved on our heart. And this is when the sword becomes living and active. When it becomes ingrained in our very heart. Not when it's sitting on a shelf and it's gathering dust. But when it's in our hearts. That's when it becomes a powerful weapon. The armor, God has given us an armor. We, we read about it in Ephesians. He's given us the armor. 
And we should, um, I know we teach our kids, what is it? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword that is the word of God, and the shoes that help us spread the gospel efficiently and effectively for the kingdom. It almost becomes verbatim that we know what our armor is. But there are many of us standing here with this armor on, like David when he put on Saul's armor, going, I don't know what to do with it. It's too heavy. He's given us an armor that fits perfectly. He's given us an armor. He's given us a sword that is super sharp. Damascus steel got nothing on this thing. A samurai sword has nothing on this thing. The word of God, a double-edged sword, which means it cuts left and right, up and down. Inside, outside, backwards, forwards. It's a double-edged sword. We need to know this. And he's given it to us. He's given it to you and me. Because we have relationship with him. Because we've entered into relationship with him. And I will beg to say that unless you're in relationship with him, this is just going to be a book. It's just going to be pages. Floppy, thin pages. But unless you're in relationship with him and understand that he paid the price, that he has defeated the enemy, that he has given us the victory over sin and death. It's just going to be meaningless. Church, and I know many of us are in this relationship already, but I think it is really, really, it's important to know that every one of us, and maybe you're sitting here, sorry, Dan, I'm going to take over. I know you wanted to do it. But I I tell you, there's some of us sitting here that do not know Jesus and do not have, I want to say, access to the power. Access to the authority. We only have a form of power, a form of godliness. It's because we don't know Jesus truly. We know about him. I mean, even this morning, you've heard me speak about the devil and you've heard me speak about Jesus and about the whose we are in him. But this morning, he wants to give us an opportunity to come into a relationship with him. And when we come into a relationship with him, we can be be overcomers. And not only for this life, and as long as we have breath in our lungs, but so that we can enter into eternity and spend eternity with him. Come on. I'm really not living for now. I'm living for eternity. This life is pretty boring, actually. You think... We've got a great botanical gardens. It's got nothing on heaven. We've got a lovely mountain. It's got nothing on heaven. We've got a lovely ocean. It's got nothing on heaven. And the only way we can experience this is by having a deep, meaningful relationship with Him. Not a shallow one. I, I, I honestly, I, I get nervous when guys just say, oh, I'm, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sundays. And actually, if there's a service, if there's more than one service on a Sunday, I'll only go to one of them, maybe, whatever one's more convenient. Like, that's not Christianity. That's not relationship with Jesus. Relationship with Jesus is giving your life to Him 100%. Not just, what, I can't do the math now quickly, but how many, how many, day, one day of the week? That's how much percentage? 10%. Maybe 15%. I'm only going to give Jesus 15% Sundays. No. It's I'm giving him 100%. When I'm at work, when I'm at school, wherever I'm at, when I'm at home, when I'm making the supper, when I'm renovating the kitchen, (laughs) I'm going to give him my life. (laughs) When I'm mowing the lawn, when I'm welding a piece of metal, when I'm doing some woodwork, when I'm hanging a light, when I'm unblocking a drain, when I'm cutting down a tree, whatever it is, when I'm designing a house, when I'm tending to someone sick in the hospital, when I'm schooling my children, when I'm doing the dishes, I will give him 100%. Serving tea. Not just 
when it suits me. And so many of us have got it wrong. And we, and we wonder why we struggle. And we wonder why we battle. Because we, we've given the devil a foothold. We've given him an opening. There's been a little bit of a window. A little bit of a, he's got his, my mother always used to say to me, don't let the devil get his toe in the door. Because he's got a steel toe. It's a steel cap toe. You can't shut the door on the devil's toe because he's got a steel cap toe. You slam that door and his toe's still there. You've got to get a angle grinder <laughs> and grind that toe off. <laughs> You've got to be ruthless. Because when you give the devil a foothold, he's just like he's checking out and he, he looks for the gaps. He looks for the gaps. He looks for the areas of weakness. And I just, I, I, I use Steve, I, mean, I know he won't mind, but he just, the struggle with smoking. Saying, Chad, I like and we were chatting the other days, huh? Previously. Is it straight? Since then. That's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. <laughs> Keep it up, bud. Keep it up. But like, you know, like we were chatting and he was like, you know, like I want more in God, but I, I there's just I think this might be an area kind of thing. It's like like I don't have the conviction of it, but everyone else around me is saying that it's wrong. So that's a good place to start. Let's I'll be honest. He didn't have a personal conviction. But it, like everyone else says, smoking's not good for me. Maybe I need to listen a little bit. So it's wonderful. Humility, firstly. and um, Really, humble place. What do I do? Submission. I said to him, but obviously smoking's not going to help you. It's going to hinder you because it's a drug. It's causing you to be dependent on that thing. You want freedom. You want God to use you more. Kick that habit. And as we spoke, and as I spoke the truth about the danger, not only the, I mean, we know the physical dangers. Doctors have proven it. We don't need to go down that road. But I said just even the fact that that, that thing is going to always have its hook in, your, in, your, in you. People can't, won't be able to follow you, really. And I, I've seen guys break that habit and just walk into so much with Jesus. That's, that's a big toe. And, and I'll tell you what, um, unless you sever that toe of the devil, and I, and I tell you, there, there, many of us are struggling with areas where, where we've got a toe. Maybe it's, what are you watching? What are you exposing on Netflix? I know Trev, uh, but what are you watching on TV? What are, you, what, what are you lying and what are you exposing yourself to on television? What company are you hanging around with? What are you, what are you doing? What, what bad habits? Do you have? Jesus wants to bring you into a place of freedom. For freedom that he has set us free. We don't need to be backfooted. We don't need to be struggling. We can be on the offensive. And those dry bones, I'm telling you now, will come alive. <laughs> they will come alive. When you surrender to Jesus, when you give him your heart, when you give him your all, man, it's the most amazing, amazing, amazing journey ever. I tell you what, I wouldn't have it any other way right now. I, I, I know I keep on going, Jesus, I have the most amazing job. Thank you. But I have the most amazing life serving you with my whole heart. I mean, I tell you what, not only do I get to preach and to share the word of God, not only do I get to worship, but I get to serve you guys. I get to get things ready and just prepare, and I love it. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way, really. I like Andrew put a, put a post. He shared, my, I had an artist impression of the signage on Facebook, and he shared it this morning. And I, just, I was just like, oh, man, thank you, Jesus, that we get to be here in this season building your church just walking with each and every one of you and building God's kingdom and, and submitting one to another and building family and, and just going for it. What a joy. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. Why don't we just bow our heads? And, and I really, I think, man, I, I trust you've, the, the heart of this message has just gripped your heart and just taken deep root. But I do want to give you an opportunity this this morning, to come to Jesus, to give your life to Him. Maybe just, oh, it's every eye closed. If you have never, ever 
given your life to Jesus, and even maybe you think you have, and you know you're not living for Him, like I've spoken about, can I encourage you to maybe just make eye contact with me or just put up your hand and say, Chad, I want you to pray with me. I, I want today to serve Jesus. I want today to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to Him. Is there anyone here this morning that just says, yes, that's me? We need Him, guys. We can't do this alone. We need Him. And He wants us. He wants us. That's one more last call. Is there anyone here this morning that hasn't entered into a true, meaningful relationship with Jesus? Not one that's just in words, but one that is in truth and in honesty. I really feel that there is, there is someone. I don't know why I can't shake it. Maybe just they're just just hanging a little bit. Just um. A scripture, if we keep our eyes closed, it's just two things that that I felt from yesterday already, and just the word that came through today is just spoken so deep into it. It's a scripture in uh, Psalm 68, verse 6, it says, God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. It's a sense that God is calling the lonely into a family. It doesn't mean once you've accepted Jesus in your life, you suddenly become full of friends and, and content. This, this, this word that's going out today is not just for those who are not aware of the war that's for them, against them, but it's for the lonely inside and outside of church. I just feel like today... There's a certain humility that God is calling us to as men and, and women. Coming to a place where we're going, I know there's a battle on my life and I need God to overcome it. But I just, yesterday, just driving on a completely random trip, I just, something of God's presence like entered my spirit and saying, I'm calling the lonely into family. So if you today are feeling lonely, whether you are a Christian or whether you are an unbeliever, unaware of the war that Chad's been talking about today, and you have something in your spirit is responding, saying, God, I want to be participating in your kingdom, like Benny was saying earlier. I want to count for you, God, but I choose today to humble myself before you. I choose today to trust in your ability, God, to bring me into a family that you've designed for me. I just call today for response to that word. If that is how you're feeling, I pray that even now, your Holy Spirit, God, that you would minister inside our spirits, that we would respond, God, we would humble ourselves before you today. I encourage you now to stand. Maybe Brian can just... Stand in, in, in an acknowledgement of, God, today, I humble myself before you, God. I agree with your plan. Independence is not of you, God. And today, I choose to humble myself. And, and God, I agree with your words, your solution, God, that I would come today and submit myself to you.
yeah, so I also I really feel like there's someone that is like inside crying out for God this morning and someone that really needs Jesus. And I feel like um like you're sitting there going like okay God I've heard all of this and this is XYZ, this is what I've done. Remember, like the enemy reminds us of your past. Um, this is what I've done. And I just can't come to Jesus like looking like this, feeling like this, having done this. And I just want to encourage you that God saved me out of the pit of hell. <laughs> out of the pit of hell. I didn't sort my life out before God accepted me. He loved me before I could love Him. And you know, I just want to encourage you, just don't create a a checklist to go through before you just you just put your hand up and say Jesus here I am because it's God it's God that comes and sorts us out it's God that puts us into family to help us to walk this out it's not us we, we can't we can't do this by ourselves so please 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 do not walk out of these doors today without without going Jesus here I am because the war on your life is not going to wait it's not going to stop it's not going to wait it's not gonna wait. It's not gonna wait. <laughs>